recorded live in Golden Ox Studios. Welcome to another episode of Friday Late Show. This is a podcast about bombing because everyone does it. This episode is brought to you in part by DelightCafe.com. Calm and balanced. Hemp CBD dietary supplement. Has all the natural properties without the high of feeling of THC. I use it all the time, so I'm so calm. And unless you see me early without my CBD supplement, I put it in my coffee on some mornings. I've even mixed it with ketchup and ate fries with it. Uh, great feeling without the high of marijuana or THC. Go to delightcafe.com and also save 10% by entering the promo code BRUTON. B-R-U-T-O-N. My last name is the promo code. B-R-U-T-O-N for 10% off at delightcafe.com. Also, I'd like to give a big shout out to silentfortuneapparel.com. It's a new streetwear brand I've been rocking. Uh, They have sweatshirts and hoodies I wear a lot, and they have t-shirts available on the website, silentfortuneapparel.com. The brand is dope as hell. Uh, It stands for Silent Hustle and Quiet Grind. That's Silent Fortune. Uh, Also follow them on Instagram, Silent Fortune Mafia. And SilentFortuneApparel.com gave me a promo code. It's Bruton. It's B-R-U-T-O-N. Enter that for 10% off on your purchase. Let you check out. Uh, Rock that new sweatshirt. Even tag me in it if you want. Or also tag Silent Fortune Mafia on Instagram. Um, You know, check them out. And now enjoy the show. On this episode of Friday Late Show, I talked to a guy who's kind of like my big brother in comedy, uh, Ramon Rivas. Uh, he started comedy here in Cleveland. Uh, he's from Lorraine, which is a small city right outside of Cleveland. Uh, he was the first guy doing independent shows that people actually went to. So I've been trying to take over that torch when he moved to L.A. I and mean, we just got to catch up. Uh, we used to do a comedy festival together called Accidental Comedy Festival. So, you know, it's a fun conversation. We, we uh, disagree a lot. So it's fun to have those conversations with another comic to hear his perspective. Because we're both right. It's just to hear two different sides of it. It's a good conversation. Good episode. Enjoy. You know, this Friday Late Show is like the hardest show. So it's about bombing because every comic bombs except for like the weird ones mm-hmm. who don't listen to the crowd. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, and there's levels. There's levels to bombing too. It's not. Oh, yeah. I don't want to talk to people who just bombed in a bar. That's all they know. They never had. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like not the same. Like your bomb hurt, but not it ain't. You didn't lose the same. Well, there's 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 like bombing, there's crushing, and then like the consistency. Like the consistency is the hardest thing, thing in the middle. Because you got even when like you know like there's been times where you open for me on the road and you don't crush it every show, you don't bomb, but you're doing the work and like. Oh, they're not as with me, but I got to be up here for 25 minutes. I got to be up here hosting for 10, 15. And you still have to do the functionality and shit of the job, even when you're not doing well, which takes a while to like learn how to do. Yeah, because you got to have blinders in that way where when it's not going great out the like if you're not getting them to love you from day one, 
that extra work, some comics don't know how to even push through to get them to like you first or get them to like the jokes. They just, they'll keep doing more shit. And it's like, you got to get out of that. Everybody does it. But then you have to learn mm-hmm. that, okay, there's a part where the crowd still, is, it's not the crowd's fault. It's just that you delivered it to them wrong. Like some crowds, mm-hmm. you, you shouldn't, some crowds aren't even going to be there to hear you do comedy. Some crowds just came for somebody else, which that happens too. But that's mm-hmm. not always an excuse either. I mean, the, the main thing is no one's ever coming to see you. Uh, <laughs> that's, a great attitude, that's a great attitude to have when you're going on stage. Because if you go up there with this, they came for me attitude, you do a lot of shit that you don't have liberties to do yet. Like we both mm-hmm. seen comics do some shit. You're like, why are you doing that? Like, who, who told you to say that on stage? That's kind of... Yeah, and it's all, it's a lot of it is context and, and presentation, you know, like just little shit. Like if you go up like and you got shorts on or, 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 or flip-flops, just little shit, your shirt's not ironed or like you don't look put together. Like immediately people are like, Where the fuck this dude come from? And they're distracted by it. Yeah, um, there are, we, we in, this, in the city of Cleveland, we both know comics that have, had very questionable presentation from the start. Like they come up on stage, like they didn't care to hear. Like they're the entertainment for the evening. They want their money, but they come dressed like they don't give a fuck. And it's like that balance is there's no balance in that. Yeah, and that takes you know it takes getting because a lot of times you want to be comfortable on stage, and a lot of people's day to day life that's how they're comfortable. They don't have to wear a suit and tie. They don't have to like dress up unless they're going to do something like very specifically a party or a celebration. And so it's it, like, you know, it took me seeing someone like Dave Hill and then like seeing how he brings the the rock and roll stagecraft and, and fashion to how he presents himself and how that impacts how the audience receives him and, and carries him. Uh, and then, you know, just upped my level of comfort from like rumpled little bullshit shirts to like something that looks a little more presentable. Like I had show pants for a while. <laughs> You That's know, cultural, though. That is a cultural thing. Uh, I do believe that more black comics look at the performance aspect more uh, sooner than white comics do. I think the black what comics... Do perform- that, what do you mean performance aspect? Uh, like, the jokes aren't always the first thing they lean on. Sometimes it's the bravado mm-hmm. and the swag and the the presentation. So if I'm wearing a suit... That's how, they, that's, how you're, that's how you navigate through life. You know what I'm saying? Like, my... I, for a long time, like I just shop at thrift stores because, like, I just I I value my saving money versus like flexing and flashing on people. But you know, had to figure out how to elevate my fashion within that because I still can't afford to go and do a bunch of like just go to fucking Neiman Marshall and just buy mm-hmm. a bunch of shit or like you know yeah. even Macy's and buy buy new jeans and all this shit. I go to consignment shops like Buffalo Exchanges or Plato's <laughs> Closet and shit like that. Yeah. And I do it when I'm on the road and I just come up on like shit that costs way more than I would ever spend on myself. Oh. But like I'll buy a couple hundred dollars worth of one pair of jeans, but for like $30, $40. That's an adult thing, actually. I was telling somebody that, uh, the other day how um, when tennis shoes come out, if you really want the tennis shoe, just wait for that broke person who really shouldn't have bought it to need the money. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, I've been I've been I've been browsing Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist all pandemic, just looking at shit, just seeing if oh. anyone's throwing crazy mm-hmm. deals. Tennis shoes now are going for sale. Like every day, they're selling shoes for retail value because they can't try and run up mm-hmm. on you because it's like shoes are still dropping. 
Jordan had a documentary. Yeah, he still dropping tennis shoes, so he don't really need to wait. They just, they'll drop them online. Mm-hmm. But also, and like I got, you know, I got blessed by a couple comics I've opened for, like their shoe. They're like fashionists, so they they go buy shoes. And like I had Joe Coy buy me my first pair of Jordans, mm-hmm. and I wore the I wore those into the ground. Uh, and then I had. Um, uh, Ron Funches bought me my uh, when I take my HBO Latino special. He bought me a pair of uh, uh, the Gatorade uh, blue uh, Jordans. Yeah, and so like I only wore those for that. And then like I bought when I went to Atlanta, I bought my blue suede Pumas for when I take my Comedy Central special. So like I like to have those things, but I don't always have the equity to get it for myself. I know that's one thing I'm trying to think when I started, it was more, I was trying to dress more white friendly. So I'll wear more button ups and nondescript mm-hmm. tennis shoes. I will wear. Now, now for, for people, there, there may be people who are listening to this who don't have a frame of reference for what white friendly means versus how you would normally dress. So how oh, would usually, you normally dress? How would you normally dress if you didn't have to cater to the white gaze? Oh, uh, I would wear a black t-shirt with something on it. It's not always aggressive saying, but something like, it could be silly. It'll be a graphic tee and usually a hoodie, a zip up hoodie or a pullover hoodie. And that was like what I would wear on a regular day to day. Cause I'm also a graphic designer. So I don't have to wear, like I don't sag my pants. I still wear fitted yeah. jeans. And, yeah, but it's like, I just still wear clothes that the colors aren't friendly. Like I wear black a lot. Mm. I like the color black on t-shirts and clothes. Cause I'm I a lighter. Wear black jeans and black hoodies. Yeah, like, you know, I'm, but that's I'm a big alert. I mean, but you can still see my face because I'm light skinned. So it's still like I don't get lost in the colors, like the black. Mm-hmm. So I knew that. So I would wear that usually, but then I know. In so that's states, what you're that's what you're comfortable in. I wear muted colors like black and gray, and then I wear some loud tennis shoes just because that's like an easy mm-hmm. way, like no, a, t- t- make it pop. Yeah. So I wear some purple tennis shoes, but I'm wearing some regular dark jeans, no distress on them, just regular Levi's, and then a hoodie that's black, and the shoes are the ones you see, like that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But around white people, and, like you, and that's different. then then you start doing comedy, and now it's like okay, this something about what I'm comfortable in will make them uncomfortable. Like I said earlier, just a distraction. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think the distraction that you wearing that gives white audiences? Aggressive. They think I'm a rap. They think they're they're expecting more hip hop or deaf comedy jam, or they think deaf comedy jam means to them. Is more like they have control of my image more than I control of my jokes. So now is that is that something you found as a projection from yourself onto them, or it's actual like experience that like this is oh them the actually cause them. and effect of it. And actually them because when I would do it, I would make conscious efforts to not say the um, nigga on stage in front of white like a majority white crowds. Mm-hmm. And a guy came up to me one day after a show and said, "It's okay, you can nigger it up around us. We're okay with that." Like he thought I was not like I was doing it for him. Like not saying the mm-hmm. word. And he was so comfortable to tell me that. I'm like, no matter what I do, yeah. it's, it's your image. Like you control it. So I'm like, fuck that. I'd rather do it where I say what I want to say. And if you don't like it, that's yeah. fine. I'd rather feel like I, you don't like me because you know me as opposed to you don't accept me when I'm trying to be your friend. It's interesting that like you had you dressed up for comedy the same way you try to dress up to impress someone on a date. Or that you dress up to try to impress like a job, you can't you can't go in as you, so you got to be someone else, which is weird to do in comedy because I feel like 
the the comedy that resonates most with me, I don't even want to see the best comedy. But the type of comedy that resonates with me is the stuff that is the purest distillation of that person. But it's verbal. So, it's always appearance. A lot of times, it, it it's both, man. You can't. Not in the beginning. Everybody can't. Every a guy like said the entertainer doesn't start off wearing suits. He develops that shit. Mm-hmm. Like you don't come out the gate being that. You get there. That's what I'm saying. Like when you start. I off mean, the, we've off. there again. There's people in the scene who I don't even say scene. There's comics around the country who the the the, the what they put they dress like that off rip. And it gives them that, like J.J. Johnson, always one of the sharpest, he always looking clean when he goes up, Mm -hmm. and it gives him a look of, I'm in control, in a way, in front of, like, adult audiences that I will never come across as. (laughs) I mean, there's ways to do it, too, because his age helps. Like, being older, he can look that part, because then he also gets luxury of people thinking he's been doing this forever. So even if he hasn't been doing it for 20 years, he's looking like a Michael Collier, a Kings of Comedy, a BET comedy. Like he looks, he's dressing like them, doing the same position. So it's kind of like, it's like if you see a kid wearing all the newest basketball equipment on the court, he's dressing the, I'm the, I got the high tech, I'm sponsored mm-hmm. type look. What did dressing white give them or get out of the way that lets you do comedy. Uh, that Because, like, you know, especially in Cleveland, uh, West Side and East Side look at each other a certain way. So if you come from the East Side, they just, if you dress a certain way, they're like, oh, he's an East Side person. As opposed to, we don't know where he's from. He could be from here. And, 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 and we should clarify for people who are listening to this who may not be from Cleveland, West Cleveland is Cleveland. That's what it's considered. And it tends to be mixed, but the parts you know about are white. The where the bars are, where the businesses are, all this type of shit is white structure. And then East Cleveland is literally a separate principality that's been bankrupt since the 80s. And Cleveland can re-merge with it and help it, but it refuses to. Uh, yeah, while it drenchifies. Like people on the West Side really talk down on the East Side when they have they have less money. They have more money given to them over the past few years, mm-hmm. but they have more money as far as they weren't worth more. It's just residential. It's like mm-hmm. it's residential. And bars, there was not like people don't set up shop on the west side with their companies. That's why it's like yeah. people have arrogance about their neighborhoods better. It's like you're not better than Shaker. Like East Side nah. is black for the most part, but East Side still has the real suburbs of Cleveland. We were talking about Cleveland suburbs, Avon mm, Lake, Cleveland, all that shit. Yeah, but they don't Shaker and Cleveland Heights and University Heights get way more love. Mayfield is a bigger, better school district than anything down in Ohio. Mm-hmm. So like, does that? To have that arrogance from the West Siders who are equal, if not less than, to act like they're better, but they're, they're pretentious. It's a very pretentious audience. Like, they're mm-hmm. trying to tell me about... I've had a white woman tell me about racism because she read a paper or some shit. She tried to explain to me how racism is not just this. And it's like, well, I'm not talking about what it only is, but I'm talking about what it is to me and how I experience it. Mm-hmm. You saying it's different. You don't understand the racism. Like, you just... You have prejudice... But you don't have a yeah, pressure on your bi- race. Prejudice and biases, but like you don't even realize they're there most of the time. Yeah, like her, her, she doesn't get judged. I mean, she doesn't get oppressed because of her race. Her gender, maybe. Mm-mm. Her gender for she sure. She gets, I, yeah, she probably, she probably get now gets 
um, flack for her race and gets lumped in with people that have nothing to do with her because of her race, which is something that we always have dealt with. As that's one small facet and they earn it. Of they earn it though. Like we don't, black people don't go out their way to harass white people on the street like they'll do to us. Like no. we don't. If a white person in my neighborhood right now walking around, we're not going to be like, "Hey, who you here to see?" That's not what happens in black neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Like it's just that's we don't. No. Why is that mean? Even even the, it's only in white movies that have fear. It's not like a real part where yeah. if a white guy is driving around, it's like, "Yo, who the white boy?" Nobody, what you going to do to him? Whatever you do to him, the police going to get you. We know that. We don't bully mm-hmm. white people. Yeah. I mean, I so I had, when I lived in Chicago, I worked with a kid who he lived in, like, this housing project that one faction of the Vice Lords was, like, started in, right? And it was literally, like, eyesight from where I stayed in the church. And he invited me over for the 4th of July, just to a barbecue they were having. So I walk in and he's like, people going to look at you weird, but they'll just think you're here to buy drugs. And like we go inside, we go through this labyrinth of shit and we just chilling and I'm in this dude's house and we're eating and we, it's the hospitality extended was beautiful. And then I went back to the crew, went back and didn't think anything of it. And I told my buddy who hired me the next day and like the other people I'm like, oh, yeah, I went over there, had some barbecue. They're like, yo, you went in there? Like, they were surprised, but, like, I didn't think of the, the context of it because no one there would fuck where if I walk into, like, that same level of uh, uh, of people projecting fear onto it mm-hmm. of whiteness, I might not walk. I'm not walking out of there without being, what you doing here? Even, does that make, I yeah. don't know. It's an ab- okay. abstraction, but, like, I feel like so many people project Fear onto something that's not there. Of course, like, that's like we. That's what, especially any minority, any man that's not white. If you're over five foot seven, damn near, they'll consider you threat just because it's easy. And then have to go into a mm-hmm. space and be the entertainment of the evening. You got to deal with their image of you being the boogity boogity man that they don't really want to hear what you're saying. Even if you come in as as calm and as mm-hmm. uh, non as you can. Yeah. And, and even the, even then, it may not even necessarily be them thinking that it's the preconception of the club infrastructure that those people may think that because you're not the the homogenous view or look. Oh yeah, I call it. I, I've talked to you about it, like where some comics are just parsley on the plate. They're mm-hmm. not going to affect the palate. Yeah. They're not going to yeah. affect how you feel about the show. It's just a part of it, but it's not what you came for. And there's people like me and you, and there's white comics who do it too, there's women who do it too, where like, you're going to taste me. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a course of what you, the meal you're having instead of yeah. just like existing in it. And of- that is a, that's a hard space to grow from when clubs kind of, I don't know. He might say something that makes someone uncomfortable, maybe. In most clubs, especially in this area, they're not really that... They want liberal money, but they don't want liberal uh, views in their establishment. Mm-hmm. They, they, don't don't really, want, uh, they don't want no liberal money. <laughs> oh, I mean, well, they want money, but they yeah. don't want... Because even when... um, I'm not... We'll, we'll take the name out. I'll bleep the name out. 
So any names? No, you. I know. We know all the clubs. You don't got to say the name. You can just give the. No, no. When uh, okay, when uh, when a black woman was here doing comedy at a club, everything she did was more uh, of a dramatic response. Like it wasn't like she was treating white people worse. She's just a diva, but that wasn't a racial. It wasn't related because of race. Like she would have been difficult no matter where she was, but her being there made them love the money, but didn't say that the um, personality wasn't worth it. When really, they've had white males come there and have Who less, just as difficult, and bring less people though. They won't have a sellout at all the whole weekend. They won't have any sellouts, let alone two or three. They'll have no sellouts and mm-hmm. be just as or even be mean to the staff in general, just like directly mean, not just. Passive aggressive or in my space and shut off, but yeah, outwardly mean and abusive, kind of, and will never have the same uh Yelp review on their um mm-hmm. on their feelings. They don't yeah. they don't feel that's as abrasive because they're you they expect that mm-hmm. from them, from like the old heads who are like the more shock jockey people. It, uh, I don't know, man. It gets frustrating trying to 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 bob and weave through that because a lot of times we we in order for us to do our best and not bomb on that late show, we need to be comfortable. And a lot of times on that late show is when we say, "Fuck it, I'm gonna say what I want to say. I don't give a fuck if y'all are comfortable or not." It, but that takes a lot of time. Like I, I know to get there, I, yeah. But I feel yeah. like once you're at the professional level where we are. And yeah, you, you start don't. to you start to realize the stakes of the, the stakes of the stage time. Like in the beginning, you we'd go do any show anywhere. If there's a mic, I'm on it. Yeah. And and then once you start to realize the value of things, you're like, oh, that shows kind of negative stage time. It's a repetition, but it does not benefit me. I can't grow from it. I can't mm-hmm. do I can't learn what I need to learn doing that lesson plan. We have to treat, then we have to get to the point where we treat that second show or even that for every show at a club with that same looseness and callousness that we find in these other spaces. Uh, I was going to say you're most comfortable at the Grog Shop, which is a space you cultivated to be your own. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, your audiences tend to be mostly black, but they're mixed. Like your audiences there are more mixed than the clubs are. On a regular basis. Oh yeah, and that's how that's how accidental it would be too. Yeah, because that's what it all tied in. Like I never uh, removed myself from being the black show. It was never the black show. Mm-hmm. It was always here's a show on a Monday. Show. Mm-hmm. And like we would have, it, I would have any comic that booked it. It wouldn't be like, oh, I have too many white people on the show. I can't have any. It's like, yo, if you won't try and ask for stage time, come get it. It's the people who don't ask. Come, 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 come get this bomb. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> you don't bomb or not. Like, but you know what it is? They finally get in front of people. Like, think about when we uh, when I started. It was, uh, Redstone was the show to do. That wasn't the club yet, but the club, the this, this jokes worked. If you had funny in the Redstone, you could apply that funny to the clubs in Cleveland. Like, you could do it. If you never really mm-hmm. did good in Redstone, you can still do well in one of the clubs. But you won't do both because this is a weird moment for most people. Because it's not they're not club they're not club kids. They're just young professionals who came out. Now they don't really know about comedy. They're more Netflix crowd. They're not really going to clubs, but they still they, know, they know they don't know about comedy. They know about vibes. And they laugh and they, though. They still understand yeah. English and they fucking understand words. 
That's all comedy is. I don't, I hate when people come with well, that crowd with me except for comedy. Mm, then you take be a point guard, slow that bitch down and set it two minutes. If you got a five minute set, that's cool. But two minutes at the most with hard headed crowds, you can still get a good ending with a rough mm-hmm. start. Is when you don't care and it's like, or you don't pay attention. Cause you it's half time where you can be like, oh, what I was doing, they were laughing, so it was great. Then you hear the, the playback, you like, mm, that laugh felt different because that first table was loud, loud, but not but every- I, I I will say that there's been times where you you feel like you finessed it, and I'm like, oh, you could have I had I had higher hopes for you. <laughs> but and then you'd get you'd be like, because early on in Redstone, you every time you went up, you felt like you flexed. And I was very like a lot of the, when someone would do it, I, I'm running around doing so many shit. I mean, you do the same thing when you run a show. I'm not paying attention to what's happening on stage. I'm like, hey, you need a drink. Hey, you good. You, oh, you need a seat. Let me go. You're, you're politicking. And within that, you're listening to the room. Mm-hmm. And if you, they're killing, you start listening a little more. If they're bombing, you listen a little more. And, but like, I'd always hear you'd you'd make me you'd make the room audible, but it would never teeter either way. It was just kind of like because I was speaking shorthand too. I realized I was speaking shorthand, and then um, I had to fight the image where people were like, "Well, you meant this when you said it, nigga." You hear the whole sentence? Like, I'm not gonna apologize for shit mm-hmm. I didn't say. And I, somebody, the second somebody say, "Well, you said you came off like this." I don't care how I come off. Like, that's not my, I don't, I've been too old, too black for too long to playing at how I come off. I know that game. So I play that but game. Now you say that, but you had pre-care how you come off because you dress different. Yes. They're not the same though. My presentation. <laughs> shirt, but they are. Oh, wait, they wait, are, stop, they stop, are. Stop. Listen, listen, that's the explanation. My shirt is something I can control. I put the shirt on to look non-threatening. My skin won't change, but the shirt, the button-up shirt, Shows you I put some effort for button-up shirts to everybody feels like more of an authority figure than if you have a t-shirt on. So if I look more formal, I'm not going to change the way I talk. I'm not code switching too because nobody else in here is code switching. I had a white guy say a black joke before me. I had a girl say a band joke before me. Why should I be the one who has a taper who I am where everybody else can say whatever they want about a group they're not a part of? Mm-hmm. That's why my attitude never changed. Like, I'm going to be nicer. I'm, I'm going to tell my jokes. I wrote these jokes to be heard, not to pick on yeah. anybody. I wasn't coming out the gate nah. saying women ain't shit. And I never said any other words. I never was a, a language person. I never loved to say bad words about people. I never called, I never said mm-hmm. the, the derogatory terms besides maybe bitch about a person who I'm actually with in a conversation or a story. But then women would say, well, you shouldn't say that word. Nigga, I don't need your help. <laughs> like you're one person who doesn't go to comedy clubs. I'm not trying to be your favorite comedian in this room. When it has it, when I'm in the right, when I'm in that space of a comedy club, these jokes go now. Verse trying to make this crowd laugh. They make this crowd. I heard too many comics talk about how they would try to make different sides of the city laugh. When I'm like, well, why don't I just start on that? It's gonna be the, they both gonna take the same amount of time. It just one hurts mm-hmm. more because you're doing the same set constant, not trying to yeah. merge the two sets together. Just the same set. I go to improv, die. <laughs> improv at Cleveland, taking L's because they like this nigga talking to white boy. It's white boy comedy. You know, I'm talking about black shit mm-hmm. as fuck. White boy comedy because my delivery is white boy comedy. Then I go to the West and Side. And in a white room, that same delivery is too black. Yep. So it's like, you know what? I'm going to just keep <laughs> finding that, that little space. And now it's like, just be arrogant. Arrogance for me. Not arrogant for every comic shouldn't try it. Some comics aren't likable enough to smile 
and get away with whatever. But you got to be able to be funny. A guy had to change my style up over time because I get older. Mm -hmm. So it's like something I don't care. Like if somebody, oh, well, you, you're a younger comic. I'm not. I'm 36. I'm not playing this mm -hmm. well, uh, 25. Age. When you're 25, I get it, though. You're a child of most people. The audience is over 30 on average. This is date night. Young kids don't date. So you got, <laughs> you got grown ass adults came for entertainment. You got to talk their language. So it's date night shit. You can't be talking about abortions. I'm ordering chicken fingers, my nigga. Like, why are you talking about your dead father when I'm trying to eat food? Like, that's when it's like, yo, you're not going to be in the club. You could be a great comedian, but that shit you're saying is only going to work when people who want to see it, not people who mm -hmm. going to hear comedy just because. When you the, yeah. when you the also part, when you're, the, when you're the garnish or the side dish, you can't really say, fuck the world, this crowd is mine, when they came and paid for another man's face on the ticket. Mm -hmm. Well, and then even like I, I can speak now as a person who's elevated to headliner and is fighting to get considered to be the face on the ticket. It still feels like they're not coming to see me. It's like the club has this set path of doing things. Yes. And, you know, even like look at look at the club, look at all the clubs that are reopening. And look how far out it goes until people of color show up. Look oh, how well, far out it goes till women show up. Clubs, the people of clubs. No, I'm yes. talking. I'm talking about the people who are most of the people that look at the clubs in your city. Okay, fan of my city. I got you. Oh no, uh, my city. Yeah, because one ain't opening, the other one's opening soon. And the and, other then, the, and then the ones in the. I'm talking about the region. You look at your region. Which is anywhere, like, I feel like most people, if they fuck with the comedian, they'll drive two hours to see them. True. So up to Michigan, down to Columbus, and into Pittsburgh. And Look at Detroit. the... Yeah, I'm Michigan, barely, but yeah. Michigan, barely. But if you expand it out to three and a half, now you're in Dayton, now you're in Indianapolis, yeah. now you're in... You can get to a lot of different places with that. We but can't... We did cancel Indy because uh, it was, it didn't feel right. Like we both were like, yo, man, this, we had a concert on Monday to cancel on Thursday because it was just, it was, it was way, Sunday night, I mean, it was way too much. It was right after DL had passed out. So it's kind of mm -hmm. hard to be like, yeah, let's go and be around a bunch of people who, who've been fighting the right to not wear masks and yeah. then put ourselves in that space. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had, I had all my gigs got wiped. Like I mostly wind up doing a lot of DIY gigs, similar to mm -hmm. what you do with the grog shop, but I'll try to set those up remotely. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll keep my eye on flights, find a cheap flight a few months out and then schedule shit. So, um, I had in the beginning of the year, a little run of success going and doing those type of bookings together. And then like maybe a club or two around it. So it's very like hodgepodge, but I'm staying as busy as someone who has reps putting them in the club system. I'm just having to like operate outside of it and just like inch. I, I really, I was talking to a booker actually about how uh, a club wanted me to come and they were, they were going we were gonna to go to this club, but they didn't want to pay for my hotel. They were going to do one hotel. So the feature would have to find his own place to stay. Being from out of town, in a pandemic where traveling isn't even as easy as you, so you can't just go to somebody's house. Like, yeah. back when you couldn't, it's, back it's when it was mad inconvenient. Yeah. Before, like, before everybody had 
the 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 the, def, the deadly flu, you could stay on the guy's couch because you weren't a threat to his whole family. Mm-hmm. Like, if you had a cosign from another comic that said you're cool, then that's all you have to be is just don't, nah. don't sleep nude. <laughs> as the as the headliner gets to hotel, you can be like, "Hey, are you comfortable sharing a hotel with me?" Like that's something you have to humble yourself to be willing to do. Yeah. But like you know, it, 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 like I I had a gig. I booked last summer. I was trying to get work for the fall and winter. Mm-hmm. I emailed a booker and they gave me a date in this July. So 11 months later, they offered me a gig that if I took it if as initially offered, I would be have a, a no compete clause for 250 miles from this city Ugh. for from the day I accepted through 90 days after. So that's a year plus that I can't play this market around it. I'm not a draw. I'm I'm fulfilling the role of comedian for your audience you're developing. I'm not a, I'm the I'm that placeholder dude who like you just going out you got free tickets this dude. That's the lane I'm in. Yeah. Right? And so I'm like all right cool I got this gig March happens, shit gets white from March to June. I still had that July show. And that's the only weekend of work I had the whole rest of the year. Club stopped taking bookings for the rest of 2020. And all the reschedules, they're like, oh, we'll get back. Reach out about 2021. Yeah. Not even here's your date in 2021. Reach out and we'll get you something in 2020. And so... I had already advocated to get a woman as my feature, mm-hmm. and it was a woman of color, Holly Lene, very funny out of Louisville. I love her. And so I'm like, I love her. So I'm like, all right, cool. Holly's coming. I do, I negotiated up initially, they're like 1200 and a lodging, and that's it for this complete. And I shrunk the non compete down. Uh, I negotiated travel and more money, so I got my money up to eighteen hundred. Just but saying yes, but this needs to happen. Mm-hmm. I was able to. I don't got reps to do it. You have to ask for that type of shit yourself. Yeah. And then they reopened at fifty percent capacity, so all your show's good. But then a headliner shared their upcoming schedule, and I'm like, oh, cool. And then I noticed, I'm like, oh, I'm the only person of color. And there's no women, no women of color, no, no, like on this count. And I'm like, all right, so I'm, I'm too uncomfortable to share it given my, just given how I feel and given the climate, I can't, I can't just be like, Hey, I'm going to be up there doing comedy right now. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> so I sit with him for a day or two. And then I emailed the booker who booked me and I'm like, Hey, I saw this thing. It made me uncomfortable that there's no, women or women of color in this, I would like to help fix this glaring omission. I would like to turn my weekend into a co-headlining weekend with Holly. You take $750 from my pay and give it to her so we get paid the same amount. And uh, that will, you know, I shouldn't have to do that, but I, I, that's all I can do from my position is advocate for that. Yeah, if you don't do it, no one else will. Like, just be honest, like, they don't, especially when a booker is not a part of any other group besides white. Like, he's not going to really mm-hmm. see it no. as, 
representation is fair. He's like, well, they always complaining. Funny is funny. That's now you're becoming well, the not talent. Even that. Yeah. Not even that. That's not even what happened. His response was like, oh, that's for the email. And then listed a couple women who were featuring, who some were black, some were white, listed a black man who was headlining, a white woman who was headlining, and then, like, I was like, okay, that's cool. You should put the features on your promotional materials because, like, seeing is believing in consumer buying power. Like, I'm trying to frame it comfortably, but mm. I'm like, but even in that list of names you gave me who are all great, there's still no women of color headline. So, and at the end of his email, he said, are you sure? If so, I'll ask the club. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. I was sure when I emailed you. So <laughs> I say, yes, I'm sure I'd like you to ask the club because we're both assuming the same risk going up there and performing during now. Because I told Holly, I was like, look, I wouldn't go feature right now for $500. I'm not going to go endanger myself. But I, and I know from 1800 to 1150 ain't going to keep me alive any more or less time. But a stack for me make, is still worth it. And I think a stack for you would make it more comfortable to do. And she was like, I appreciate it. And then the, the, they were like, all right, we'll, let, we'll tell the club. We'll let you know. And then the club, the turnouts have been so bad that they're like, we're just not going to do shows in July. So. <laughs> I mean, because some clubs, they're back open, but they're really, uh, they're pushing it. They're really pushing it. And it's hard yeah, to want to go. To go. And then, like, I've been in enough clubs where, there's places and spaces you can do it outside. Yeah. Like even in Cleveland, like the improv has the, the dock. So you can't do like a huge show, but you can figure out something to like, okay, we can, so how many people can fit? We can fit 40 people. All right. I can't get D.O. Hughley to come out for 40 paid people, but I can work Rob Ward. I can work J.J. Johnson. Hey, I can work with Patrick. I can work John Bruton. I can work Mike Head. I can work Mike Polk. I can work Bill Squire. I can work Mary Santor. There's all these people you can work in that structure. Hilarities has a patio. There's spaces that they, if they want to, I want to do this and I want to give my, my artistic community this outlet and this support during this time and I want to have an audience that's safe. They can do that. <laughs> but they're not. And so it's kind of, it makes you, puts you in that uncomfortable position of like, if they call you and ask you to come open or feature, are you going to? Depends who's there. If it's a headliner, honestly, it's, it's more of a, it ain't just yes because of the money. It's more like a, who am I working with? Excuse me, who would I be working with? Because if it's somebody, um, <laughs> if it's somebody that is actually like, uh, somebody I really care about, I'll fuck with it. Like if somebody I'm a real big fan of, Mm-hmm. Cause you get more for it's more valuable than just that. Yeah, it's like I get to actually get a weekend with somebody I've I've been a fan of or I've worked with before, and, and like, I learned from weekend. them. Yeah, versus mm-hmm. just doing a weekend for the money. It's like, well, I I can be rusty in a private, uh, you know, DIY show, and mm-hmm. just get the rust off and be more liberal. I can have more fun, liberate, not liberal, but more liberated, because I'm not really yeah. worried about not getting hired if I mess up or don't do the right thing. Or I'm not perfect, or whatever they think I should be doing after being off for 90 days at least. Yeah, and so that's why you know I I I was trying to figure out 
it's already very hard to get work. The, the, the access we had to the to, to spaces to fail disappeared. So I feel like we're at the point where we kind of know what's funny. Like if we think something's funny, we could, we'll, it might take a while, but like that'll be a, something. But we, we now just have this slab of marble, but nothing, nowhere to chisel it down. So again, trying to figure out how to do things safe and in a way that is engaging, I went out, I bought a PA system, mm-hmm. cost me to get the PA, the mic stands, the mic, the stand for the mic, all the little shit cost me probably like four or $500. And, you know, I could have cheapened and gotten just the, this part and left the shit on the floor, but like trying mm-hmm. to get it to where it's like, I'm now I'm doing a free show outdoors at the park by my house. Like, I know you live in kind of like a community that has like a shared space. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you could do the same it. thing. And, yeah. And so it's just like old, a, I got give. mostly old neighbors. I got mostly old neighbors. So they, it wouldn't be like local. Yeah. I could do it. I mean, I thought about doing it outside at uh, on Coventry. And they, they got a yeah. park over there. And, and so there. you, but you have to get a permit from the city. Yeah. You have to do, there's shit you have to do to make sure yeah. you do it. And I, I'm fortunate to where like my dad's car has a plug, like a regular power mm-hmm. plug. So I just plug an extension cord into that. I run it out. I plug the powered PA into that. And then the two speakers are powered from that PA. Yeah. So it functions. I It's at this park. So like the first show, like someone was driving by and just kind of saw and heard it and just pulled in and, and watched. People that were jogging around the park, like just kind of pulled up. There's a playground, like, you can't hear it from where, but you can see it. So mm-hmm. a couple of people with kids just like, hey, go play on the playground. And then like sat for a couple of the comics. It's an hour show. But it gives me a space to kind of like, bleh, like get things yeah. out of me. And then give, you know, if and you know, the local comics who I, I miss seeing perform and like grow into themselves. Yeah. They know me enough to be like, hey, can I pull through? And they come out. They get to like work the muscles that's atrophying, but also I want them to like expand what they're covering. So like talk about what you've been feeling right now. We all uncertain. We're all we're all like trying to do what's right, but it's like that varies from person to person. So it's like I I want to. It feels like a a show and a um like a, rev- not a revival, but like a mix between like a revival and a rally as far <laughs> as like you, cause you're in nature, you're outside. Like it's got, it's got a cool and interesting thing. And it, to me, it's the, com- I grew up in this city. I have, I was walking around the park the other day. My family's names are like in the sidewalk around the park from when I was a kid. So it, to, to, to do the community building that like you've done for years at the Grog Shop and other places, to have that happen in like the all actual community I'm from feels really good. So maybe, you know, you think all your neighbors are old or whatever. They might appreciate that shit. Them, them are the ones who are at fucking yeah. the improv on a Sunday or the late show. Yeah, can they get neighbor, dressed up. Neighbor. They get dressed up and go. Yeah, cause my it's neighbors, a, it's an on my, event. Actual side, my actual neighbors, like my next door neighbors, they come, they come to shows whenever I have them in Cleveland. Whenever I'm like, yeah, I'm here, they come down. A one woman, she's a hairdresser, so she brings people from her salon. It's supportive, but yeah, I'm like, if we did outside, I don't know who I could. You know what it is? 
I don't know the exact personnel that would work for that. Like, uh, don't even worry about the personnel. All it is is it's it's your vibe. So if you're like, hey, I'm gonna do an hour every, like I said, I'm doing Sunday. If you're like, I'm gonna do Saturday or Friday or a different night, and we all get a little network of shit, we can, you know, again, you don't know who's gonna do well in that space, so just let them go up and fail and figure it out. Like, there's no yeah. snakes. There, if you yeah. want. Co- if you want to come out, come out. And like it, having that freedom to fail is important. Like it's important to a bomb on the late show. Cause you learn what to do and what not to do. Cause I'm, I'm trying to think when I'm, man, man, what's the biggest lesson you think you've learned from bombing or any, any show, not just the late show, but any show um, um, that you did again, not, not just a bomb cause of a bad show, but like a show that was, it could have been a club or it could have been, a room that you do regularly, like something like that. Where uh, I, it was, it was the, well, one of the, the the things I remember is I I the improv hired me to open for Ricky Smiley, but then Ricky Smiley doesn't really use a host. He goes yeah, up, he hosts himself, hosts the show, and then closes it out too. But he'll bring up the comics. So he brought his feature, and he didn't know like that was the club advocating to have a local on the show was them putting me in this position where now Ricky Smiley has to remember my name of this person he, like, just met and don't give a fuck about. Yes. So, and it's nothing, that's nothing personal against me. He's just, he's it's his show. He's got a lot to think about. Now I got to introduce this kid. I uh, So the first show he's crushing and brings me up, forgets my name, forgets, forgets everything, right? So I go up and immediately the crowd's just not fucking with me because it's like, if he don't remember you, the wow. fuck do I care about you? Mm-hmm. So, again, I was at the point where, like, the improv is a very hard room, but it makes you work. So I'm like, all right, I still got I got to be up here for this amount of time. And also, I, it was when I was hitting that vibe of, like, if I'm a bomb, I'm going to bomb how I want to. <laughs> I'm not going to bomb code switching. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to bomb trying to make you think I'm, uh, look what we got coming. I'm going to just me. And I'm a bomb how I'm a bomb. And so I, in that space, I started to do something that I'd never done in that space before because I'm usually kind of in my comfort zone. So I'm immediately uncomfortable. So I'm like, all right, fuck it. We're going to go do what we want. And I said something I never said in that space and it fucking crushed. And that was the only good part of <laughs> the whole set was me fuck, saying fuck it and getting that thing out in this space that I normally would pre-censor it and not do it. I did it and it resonated and it resonated differently. The the things that were funny were not inverted, but like the the recognition in, in what was happening was different because there's a room of people of color. So what I find is a lot of times that hilarities I'm talking about an experience that none of these people have ever considered. And then at the improv, if I'm able to do it right, I'm, I express something that the room has never been able to vocalize or like put in those that phrasing. So that like that bomb was important because then the next show he remembered me and he's like Cleveland's own. And I went up and still had that kind of like you ain't Ricky, like who are you vibe. And this lady like kind of yelled out, uh, hey, Ricky, come over here. And I'm like, oh, she's trying to fuck. And so I was just in that moment and the whole room's like, oh, this mo- this motherfucker's dumb. And huge laugh. And they rode with me the whole yeah. time. And it's just that little bit of context. 
which is and as confidence. a feature and confidence. Which, uh, as the second person on stage, you don't ha- you get you get the opportunity to have that 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 introduction, that context yeah. to kind of set the plate for how the crowd's going to receive you. Where when you're hosting, you have to build that out of nothing. Mm-hmm. I used to I used to hate hosting when I would do a string of like six in a row, and I was doing them consistently. Just doing my job. I'm like, well, when can I try the other job now? And it was always like, well, I don't know. I got to check. Then I would see other guys around me going and getting those opportunities. I'm like, they deserve it too. But when is my turn? And I used to hate when you couldn't ask. Like, I, I don't, I never grew, I wasn't raised where you couldn't ask questions if you're really going to be like legit. If it's a real question and you're not questioning. And I, sometimes mm-hmm. they would try and turn it into me questioning. I'm like, no, what do I have to do to get on your radar? to do this because I've done I do two different sets I do a 10 minutes here mm-hmm. I do a different 10 minutes here so I'm giving you 20 minutes two different starts two different starts and two different I, finishes like had had to do the same thing where I had yeah. to tell these places that I'm like hey I can be as mediocre as that person that's currently doing the let thing me, that yeah. I'm asking you to do and don't not let them what do, do it. I have what to do to doing? get that same I like when I think I'm just as good as a guy, and he's getting opportunity, that means I should be there too. It's not like, oh, how did he get that? Fuck him. Mm-hmm. No, I was like, yay, give me my shot now to be... Mm-hmm. Give me fail. my consideration. Yeah, let me fail. Mm-hmm. And some, and I realized that some bookers are just managers of a restaurant, and they like what looks like them. They don't care about if you did great that weekend before. Well, because if, 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 if you rock the boat, they have to deal with people complaining. If <laughs> yeah, when I when I got my first complaint, I was already in it for almost seven years, and I'm like, man, when the fuck did this become a Yelp review where they can tell you what I should be talking about? Like, and that's where it's never. It's I feel like once you get hired by a club to to do the weekends, at first you're like, I don't know. But after a bit, you're like, all right, this is y'all trust me, so I'm gonna just do whatever fuck I feel like doing. Where like there's some people who like, oh, you you trust me, but you're only paying me this much. I'm just gonna hit play when I go up. I'm not gonna try no new shit. I'm not, uh, and that's I get it, but it's detrimental to you as an artist because you're you there. You wasting right you're wasting this opportunity to 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 throw spaghetti at the wall in front of actual audience people who are captive, and, and so it. There's a lot of that, but it winds up being like, you won't give me the chance to move up, but you keep putting me here. I'll come do it, but I ain't going to try. <laughs> and then the thing is also how bad and what do you want? I think comedy, if you don't have a plan after a while, you start to waste time. Uh, mm-hmm. When you're bombing because you think the jokes are, like if, you're, if, you're, if you're doing your set for life, like some comics, they're doing that five minutes forever. They're not really mm-hmm. going to be any, they're not going to be showcased anywhere. They're going to just be doing the show they're on for as long as the show exists. They will take a bomb and try to critique it and blame the crowd. The comics are trying to move up and keep going and get to that next level or to get a broader audience to hear them. Take that bomb and like, okay, what did I do wrong? Because I mm-hmm. believe in these jokes. Well, I mean, it, it's always you have to be able to break down game film. 
because all of us have room to correctly, go though. every. You gotta do it correctly. correctly uh, but I've seen some comments watch videos and not know why it was bad. It's like, dude, you you literally came out the gate cussing at women. Like you called, you said bitches mm-hmm. in the first two minutes. I didn't want to hear it anymore. And I'm not even affected by the word like the women would be. And no. But that, you know, yeah, it takes a while to be able to hear. Like I, I always say kind of com- with comedy, you kind of have to relearn all your senses from being on stage. Because you have to relearn how to talk and be comfortable mm-hmm. in front of people. You have to learn how to listen to what's happening in real time and and be able to like be out of yourself to like be doing it and then be hearing it and then be able to like be editing in your head what you're about to be doing based on what they're resp- <laughs> responding to. And that's all way too hard to think about when you first are trying to do comedy. No, because you have to learn. It's like I tell people, it's like being a, uh, it's like learning a language like a toddler. Your first year of comedy, you get like a one year old. Second year of comedy, mm-hmm. you're two, terrible two. Three, four, five is all the same. You don't have your own ideas till 10 years. A 10 year old, they know everything they need to know about themselves. They just got to learn more on how to refine it. They know how to move, tie their shoes, make food, know when they're hungry, express emotions. They just learn more stuff. They build off that. So when comments say, oh, I'm five years, I'm, I'm, I don't need to wait 10. I'm good in five. I guess, maybe. I mean, you won't really know that. You won't have the mechanics. You might have all the funny and the bravado, but you don't have the mechanics and the life experience to really push. But it's hard to it's hard to hear that when you're any, like, because I remember having those, say, like I said, when you started Redstone, I would always kind of, not like, not to you because you're John, just because that's how I am with everyone who's like, I want. I, 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 let me do all your yeah. shows. I want to do all your other shows. But also, and it's I, like my work ethic is was parallel. Mine is you. Who else? Like, if you think about it, me and you, the only ones who had work ethic here like that. Where it's like, okay, no, there's a lot. There's a lot of people with work ethic, but they're did they the know? way they the way they work is different. Now, a lot of this. Well, here's what it is. A lot of it comes down to how you're the the. Examples you see of work and hustle around you as you grow up. So both of my parents worked very hard to be exactly where they are. They didn't, you know, if I wanted something, I'd let them know they'd go get it. But they never like, and everyone's like, well, that's how my parents, that's every parent. It's like, no, your parents were able to do that and then put money away for when you got married and pay for that and put money away for college and pay for that. My parents got me what I asked for when I wanted it. And so that being aware of that made me want less mm. because I didn't want to put oh, burden yeah. on them. Yeah. I got what and, I wanted, but I had to justify sometimes. So if I wanted new tennis shoes, mm-hmm. my grades had to be up to par. If I wanted mm-hmm. to have more liberty on the weekend, I had to have my, I had to give them something. I had to give them grades. I had to have my chores done. I had to actually give them. I had to have enough responsibility to earn the freedom. You had to deliver results to get the compensation. Yes. So then there's people who, if I put forth effort, I deserve something. Uh That's how they work. Got to win. You got to win. (laughs) So there's people who that's how they're working. So it's not that they're not putting effort. They're not putting energy. We saw it with Accidental, with the group. Everyone was trying. But 
Okay, it's a, it's a quote by John. Not uh, even but. Not even but. Everyone was trying. But when I <laughs> stopped, when I stopped being the, hey, this, the, you do this, you do this, like clearly assigning, which felt very bossy to people and was like, all right, just do what you want. Then the way people work started affecting how shit got done. Because it, but one thing I did tell you, you couldn't just stop like you did. You had to give it to somebody. You had to give a the second chain of command to somebody because everybody was screaming. Well, now I he- don't know why. I don't know why I have to do anything for for other people. No, I, uh, no, no. I'll tell you what. So when you when you run when you run a grog shop, do, yes. are you doing it for other people or are you doing it so you could perform more and then the other people would just kind of benefit from that happening? Both. I take the responsibility from the fact that my position went higher. When it was just a show in Warrensville at the bar, it was a show just to try just to have a show. When it became an organized thing, like it actually was a actual it was a show. You know, a DJ's here. We have set times. We have drink specials. When it's actually the little things to make it an event, now I have to be accountable for those new people coming up because it can't just be me having fun. Because then it's like, well, I'm wasting time. I'm only going to do so much time on a Monday. I'm not going to go up here and do a half. Are you, though, John? I've seen you do a very long time every Monday. (laughs) After the show is over. After the show is over, I tell everybody, yo, all right, now I'm about to fuck around. Like, But I tell everybody, I'm about to do this shit after the show is over. You can leave if you want. I tell you about you can leave if you want. You got what about, what about that all? What about all that in between? That wasn't me. Time. Like that, when that guy left, when we had when I had the co-host, he would do that all the time. <laughs> like, you're talking too long. He's like, oh man, no, you I had to keep the crowd up. They don't. They, they're fine. They're they're here for an hour, and they only got ninety. But it, and so, but like he was working how he needed to work. Yeah, that's why. He, but also, it wasn't his place to make that choice. Like you, just because you get a microphone, I mean, you have the freedom to speak. Yeah, you have the freedom of speech for a lot of time because it's a show. You don't get to just go up there and just, oh, I'm doing this. Because when he stopped taking it serious at all, it was like, okay, well, this is not working. When because it was getting too much of like, yo, you're starting to make my names on the show, and you're just a float. You just float by. You can do what you want, and you got all the luxury, half the money, and all the luxury. None of the responsibility. Mm-hmm. None of the hate. None of because like you talk crazy to somebody because his his work was just showing up. Yeah, You're, the work you assumed was the hustler. Like, okay, I got to get the grade to earn the shoes. Yeah, to like, have a good at- show, you had to get there early. You had to move the seats. You had to get the DJ. You had to do the sound check. You had to have a door person. You had to have a relationship with the bartender so they wouldn't complain and Whatever like be like- mad that they had to come in on a Monday. And you built, <laughs> you you booked the show. You deal with like literally. I did my first park show on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I had five men reach out to me on Monday. I didn't know four of them about. Hey, I heard you got a show. I'd like to. Oh, do it. let's get on. I don't know who you are. How they are like? How can I do it? And it's like, well, maybe just come like and like maybe introduce yourself to me. But like, I try to not be that like closed off so i'm like oh i I, you know i have to be conscious of like uh, content because it's a public space and if someone says the wrong thing i might lose the permit so Mm. i i i'm not booking anyone i don't know i i looked up on youtube i didn't see any videos of you so uh, just, just just right now no but if you come out you know i'm very often will just put people on but like i don't like to yeah 
propagate that. But I let them know, like, you know, you're welcome to come through. And, oh, you a comic? Cool. Like, I, because I've gotten that opportunity where I'll go just to humble up and, like, because I, I just love being around comedy. Oh, there's something happening and I ain't doing shit? I'll go. Like, Angel Isaac did a show in Lorraine and, like, Mike Head and Chris Harvey and Wanda were on it. I'm like, oh, shit, they all, like, a 10-minute ride from the crib? Hmm. And I went. I didn't, I didn't go up, but like, I just fell through because I fuck with comedy. Now, had I gone earlier, like when the show was already happened, maybe he'd be like, hey, you want to go up? That's yeah. it, it's, it's the producer's discretion whether they have the space to add that chance in the show. But it's lower if I don't know you and it's lower if, uh, you know, it, things can lower it. But a lot of times the grace of just being a comedian will get you an opportunity. Because mine, I don't like when they come at me too arrogant. And I've told them how you got you know, I just bring up, hey, man, you wouldn't talk to anyone else like that. Like, I don't know why you think that I'm the guy that's run up on like, yeah, book me. I'm funny. It's like, well, what job have you ever gotten by saying, hey, I'm a hard worker without filling an application? You just run up on a manager. You'll hire me. I can do this job. Well, I don't really need you to. <laughs> like, that's the part you're not really... The oblivious arrogance is the part where I, I start reacting to him like, hey, man, there's a way to do it. And you're not doing it right. And, and the, the way to do it is if you go reach out to someone you don't know, it's like, hey, I heard you got a show. I, give yourself context. I live in the, Like one comic did it. He's like, hey, I just moved to the area from a different state. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just trying to figure I saw I saw you have a show and I'm just trying to figure out. And I plugged him into like the mics I know that started back up and told him to fall through. But <clears throat> the the method you should use is if I'm reaching out to you, I, you should include a clip. You should include your website. You should include specific dates. If you're like, hey, I, you know, I, I'm available, you know, I, if I could do it sometime in July or sometime in August, then you're giving me something like actual zero in. But if you tell me you want to do it sometime, it's like, man, I got people I know who I want to come through. Yeah. Cause I, I only I, had a few people ask me that can they go up. I said it's really just three people the first time and three people the second time. I'm not really making it into a a big deal. Like I raised one people to come through and get the rust off. It's not really for anything. I bought. I just paid for some uh, mask just in case people try and give yeah. me a, a hard time. I just bought a um. I bought 25 of the the mask with the logo on it. Yeah. Just to pass out to people for five. I mean, the show free, but the, the mask cost me money. So fuck five dollars for a mask if you don't yeah. have one. And if you don't want to wear one, don't. I'm not even. I'm not negotiating because. Yeah, I got and like so like the show on Sundays. I don't want to charge. It's a park. Like I just want people to come through and like be around each other in a safe way. But I I recently. Uh, Ron Funches partnered with uh, Pro Wrestling Tees, and they made a, a sub store for com- specifically for comedians. So I was able to sign up for that, and I have a couple shirts up. But I'm going to make a shirt specifically designed, kind of South Lorraine centric, but like let people know, like if you want to support the show, the shirts might be like more expensive than normal, but like it cover. I make a donation across these things, and then the money I use, I use that money to pay comedians. Yeah. So, cause I've get, I've been, if, if you drive out, I give you 10 bucks. It's not much like I, I'm I losing money on doing things, but like, I just want to give people value for their time. And like, it's the least I can do. 
And hopefully, like, it gets to a point where, like, the comics kind of either before or after, like, we all kind of maybe share a meal together and, like, re-hang out and, like, just vibe for a bit. Because I do miss that. Like, the the name of the show, the second late late show, it's like that's when you, you had that time in between shows where you kind of maybe grabbed a bite together or you chopped it up yeah. or, like... You, you you interacted with the audience together. You, maybe you took pictures for them. Maybe you sold their merch. Maybe you like your context is increasing, and it's that it's it's that's as valuable. Like you said, I'm not. I don't want to just go work at the club. I want to work with someone. I want to absorb something from mm-hmm. and learn something from. Um, I so never really like creating those type of spaces because like, I never like when um you do a show with a comic because the club puts you guys together, and it's because of some random reason they think you guys would get along. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. hey, you guys are two black guys. You're going to get it. It's like, well, not that this person is not the same. It's just that we're not the same mm-hmm. on stage. Like, off stage, yeah, we're, we're going to be fine because we're, we're just going to hang out because we're both in the same we're co-workers, we're peers. But but by that, same, by that same token, like, a lot of times when I work at the improv, I work there because I like to, like, the way I would benefit from being in Cleveland and not being able to afford to travel a bunch or not, maybe not work in the road is I would work at the, the indie scenes like Popeye, your show, Popeye, the mics, whatever, throw the spaghetti at the wall. And then at hilarities, the main, the white mainstream club, I would kind of press it down into like TV friendly, like accessible, like you can understand this. And then at the improv, I would have to press the air out of those things I wanted to talk about. And what I mean by that is like I, you just have to get to the point quicker because it's like I ain't gonna dawdle. I ain't gonna. My arms are gonna be crossed immediately. You got, you know. Yeah. Let's let's get to it. And so if you do that, if you hit each club with those those, those different exercises, you wind up with your material at the end. You can go literally go anywhere and it will work. Yeah. Once because I think once you realize how to defend yourself. I think the uncomfortableness, the uncomfort comes mm-hmm. from being in front of a crowd and not knowing how to, you know, where you're going to go or how to get them there. So not, not where you want to go, but how to get the crowd there with you. I think once you stop worrying about how to talk to them and just know what you want to say, that when you get that actual fighting style, you can mm-hmm. actually go into a club anywhere and talk like yourself. You can go into a room now and because you're confident and know what you're going to say and how to say it because you can defend anything you say. In the mm, that's what you mean by defend. Yeah, I was wondering yeah. like why why it felt like it because I always think of the relationship with the audience as like I'm setting the y'all are y'all I'm setting the vibe y'all are my friends and these are my doper friends that I'm just like sharing with y'all. So it's a very like there's not a fight happening. But I, but there is a mental fight happening, if, like to, to go back to the close. From the moment the spotlight hits you and you walk on stage, there's things you're battling in people's minds before you say one word, and mm-hmm. then because you you talk fast and you mumble, that adds a uh, huh. That adds more space that they can put that, between. That that's the thing. Well, white people, though. Well, white, only white people say that. Well, like, even like you said, well, even you said black people are like, eh, this is white. That's okay. Look, we're out of context. White speaking. Like, you know, that's you're out of context. It's, it's, you're, you're saying current things, like the current me, that's different. Black doesn't, like, nobody black has that argument. That's an old thing from years ago. 
that's the growth has happened. But white people still try to say, oh, I don't understand it. So he's saying something wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm not, I don't defend myself. I don't, I don't try to accommodate because like, no, I know what I'm saying. I've been speaking English longer than, than most. I'm not going to play this game where, well, I don't agree with what you're saying. You don't understand the context or you shut down listening. It's not that I was talking but too fast. Even even in saying that, Yusuf Ali, who I is very, very funny from Cleveland, he mumbled, he, he, he's so hard to understand. Yeah, it's the same. My voice and is if heavy. He crisp, if he crisped it up, his jokes would hit even harder. And so it's not, you're not the same, but it's the same lesson. We everyone needs a post game. LeBron was nasty from the moment he came in, but he hit a different level when he learned how to post up. Still can't dribble. Different. Still can't. <laughs> but that's because you coach you coach basketball, so you know it's like skill on skill on skill. That's just one extra yeah. skill that you could pick up if you if you if you're naturally athletic. You don't have to learn any of this shit if you don't want to. <laughs> no, it's like but if, if, if you're charismatic, you get away with a lot of more. You get a lot with uh, a lot of bravado because you can mm-hmm. just be charming on stage. The jokes don't have to be so, that good. Cause you can fake it a little bit. Did you? Cause do you, cause you're low energy. Like I'm low energy. Do you feel like you've figured out bravado? Yeah, definitely. I've uh I've changed around over because being in different cities, it's uh different energy. Cause it's less um hometown shit versus. What do you mean to be a comedian? Um, well, it's different for us on the east side when they. When somebody comes to your show, they don't say, I hope you're funny. It's, if you're not funny, I'm going to roast you. And every black kid you grow up with thinks they're funny, too. So it's not the same like on the, on the West Side or the white kids who don't have... Everybody's not think, they think they're entertaining. There are not comedians in their heart. On the black That's side, because they all feel like, we funny. We, I, I'm funnier than you. It's like, all right, man. Like, if I tell white boy I'm a seen- comedian... Go ahead. Have have you seen people who've said that to you who then became comedians or who went from audience members to performer? I, I well, I've I've asked them to do it. I'll, I'll tell them go up and try it. Hell, like, uh, Ulysses was that way. She wasn't a bully about it. She wasn't trying to be an asshole. She just said I want to try it, and it wasn't a reaction to she saw me perform and figured it's easy. She just wanted to try it, and I'm like, that's fine. Anybody wants to try, I have an outlet now. But I do know when people come to the show, it's more attention. With a black crowd, they come out. They come in the game like, "I'm funny. You better be funnier than me. I'm the standard of funny. You better be funnier than me. You performing for me." While a white audience, they're more of a gang mentality. If one person don't like it, they all kind of try and turn on you. That's why this person black speaks out more because it's to them, as opposed to you got to bomb and offend some people for a white crowd to really turn. Mm. That's interesting because I've I've had. Uh... In DC, uh, I was head, I was closing out like a monthly show, and like the headliner that weekend dropped in, and then like uh, Tony Wood was there too, mm-hmm. and so like Tony Wood was just hanging because he lived in DC, and I'm like, oh yeah. shit! And the the manager was like, oh, should I go ask them if they want to do a set? I was like, hell yeah! And, and Tony was good, and then the headliner went up, and he was like, oh, I'll just do ten, and he did like 25 minutes, and he simultaneously crushed and bombed. He bombed with very specific, he bombed with women. He made a table of people walk out. And, but he, while making a lot of people laugh very hard. And then I went up after, after that. And it was a challenge and it was fun to do because 
you don't know, you know, that that's a sometimes that's even harder than coming up as the host. Yeah. When you have this like awkward tension energy that's like resonating in the room, it, it, it it's 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 a different wave. It's also different approaches to it. Like I realize when I do the improv, I don't try to really overperform for them. I don't try and say, hey, everybody, how y'all? No, I don't do that because nah. that crowd is so abusive that if I do that and it's not um, completely what they like, they're going to start mistreating it. And it's not real either way, so I can't even defend. I'm just a nice guy, y'all. It's like, all right, see, now y'all bullshit. I try to be nice to you. You treat me like shit. And you can't have that. That's not a relationship. That's like a first date if a yeah. girl like you ain't. You open the door for me. You don't love me. It's like, I just met you. So you can't really complain mm-hmm. to him. So I just come out the gate like, yeah. So y'all here tonight. Give yourself a round of applause. Thank you for coming out. And it's trash ass traffic. Ener- you get their energy together and then mm-hmm. you take it. Yeah, I make sure they come down where I want them first. I don't do the... Ladies, just clap your hands. For you. I'm not going to talk to y'all again like that. I'm not going to separate and get no. the women involved. I'm not for the women. I'm not for anybody. I'm for myself and anybody who wants to laugh. I'm not telling jokes to make you feel any kind of way about any group. Like, oh man, the way you feel about white people is not. Nah, now, people. do you feel, do you feel aware that what you say affects different people differently? And As an adult, uh, are, yeah. you tr- are you trying to get them all to the same place by the end of your joke? Yes. Because as an adult, I never was one for hate speech. I don't prefer it. I don't, I don't get involved with it. I just don't let people think that I said something aggressively is the same as hate speech. And people like to try and make those two synonymous where you said that very aggressively. Fuck off. I didn't say anything mean. Like, if you want to try and you play put, that but game, it's, it's That's the perception of aggression is a big black dude vocalizing an opinion I don't agree with. Exactly. So I can't apologize <laughs> for a, that. It's aggressive. And it's like, nah, it's, it's not. I said yeah. that while sounding like I'm sleeping. <laughs> no, I'm saying I, I can't I can't start to take my teeth out because somebody thinks I might bite them when I have never bit mm-hmm. anyone before. So it's like I can't let you get me for a charge I haven't committed a crime on. Like, oh, he's a, he's angry. Not not until you make me angry, which is fair. Everybody can be angry. Don't make my anger a weapon. Don't try to make it seem like when I'm angry, violence happens. It doesn't. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, when like, you're indignant, when white people are indignant, it's oh, it's, it's fine. Well, oh yeah, woman. That's why I have a theory that like we our our safest weapon has always been pettiness, because it's a way to say what you want to say in that like incisive, cutting yet like deflating method, because we can't be just indignant because then it's like, well, he's what do you mean? We can't be mad the way we actually feel, so we just got to snipe. <laughs> Petty. Mm-hmm. It's the safest like, way got, for us to. Get- we got to. We got to use their rules to justify our way, which is very fucking exhausting. Like for but, a white person. Right. Go ahead. Oh, like for a white person to try to question my blackness, which is out of their, they can't, they don't have any idea what that means. They're trying to say, we're not really black. It's like, what would you like me to be? What kind of, what do you think black Uh, is in your mind? I, 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 I've also been trying to get 
instead of saying black, just say American. No, like no, they'll say, like, no, I've had somebody question my, I went, with, I'm black. When someone, someone's like, you don't sound black enough, like, oh, I just sound American. And like, what do you mean? And like, I'm, we're, I'm from America, you're from America, you sound, you sound like me to me. What do you mean? And you just get to start fucking with them and then like get them to like sound like assholes. Because when they actually have to start like explaining, it's like, yeah, you mm-hmm. would you wouldn't say that if a if a dude from the south came up and he talked like this, you wouldn't be like, well, you sound extra white, or you sound you just be like, oh, you just he's just from the south. Mm-hmm. I talk like this because I'm from a specific part of America, and my experience made me sound like this type of America. Yeah, but when they try to point that out, well, I don't understand it. I don't really. I told uh, a guy we know that that's not my that's not my responsibility to be that guy. Like they can quote oh. that and say they don't understand it. That's one person out of hundreds. Mm-hmm. If you respect it, that's on you. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> I was just gonna call my thing this. Uh, my uh, uh, half, I was gonna call it this. It's gonna be the title of my um, thirty. Nice. In a way that's like, yeah, okay, so what does that mean? <laughs> like, I can explain how I'm American-made. Like, born and raised here. We didn't come on boats on some chasing a dream. We made one out of uh-huh. being stuck here. Uh-huh. So it's like when people they I just when people argue what should be, and even with comedy in general, or even conduct, people think you should be acting a certain way because they think that's what's safe for them. Not, we live together in the same, we don't coexist anymore. If I want to say you're an asshole, if I say it loud enough, everybody has to believe me now. And it's like, well, how are we going to keep this this art of conversation in a humorous way alive if everybody keeps getting called out for being mean? <laughs> it's like, well, we're funny. We're not serious. Yeah. So if you take my well, if you take my joke as a serious quote. Yeah. Well, like that's the. That's the, the the duality of comedy because, like, I talk about anything I'm willing to get beat up over after the show. And sometimes that that dumbass conversation you just described is that person trying to beat you up without without being, like, physical, without whatever. They're like, well, we'll I want to fight what you just said. And it's like, okay, where, from, from what, like, some some white lady was like, uh, has Black Lives Matter like helped any city? Has it done any of this? Has it blah blah blah? Has it has it helped anybody? And I'm like, has it helped black people? And I was like, have you done any of those things? Because if you're trying to imply that this organization is trash, that means you're also trash. Because you ain't doing shit either. But there. <laughs> It's 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 annoying shit like that. When people try to make it about um, the pure victims, is a very weird space they try and put people in out with a race involved, where they'll act as if the cops are doing some damn fine police work because they got a real criminal off the streets because he had a record. Which if you I don't know if you know the study. If you leave the house for six hours, you usually break a crime. You usually commit one crime. It's not always a big deal, mm-hmm. but it could be the littlest thing, whether you didn't recycle, you crossed the street when you're supposed to, you were driving while texting, uh, driving on yourself in an area that's restricted. It's so many crimes that are 
so many laws I are made. We, I got pulled over. I got pulled over in LA. Uh, he pulled the reason he for him pulling us over was because we had shit hanging from the rearview mirror, and it was literally air freshener designed to be hung from the rearview mirror. Dude, I he just wanted to pull us over. I had a cop tell me that I had a um, equipment <laughs> violation because my middle mirror was gone. Both my side mirrors are gone, but the middle mirror that on the, the um, rear view was ripped off. I told him somebody tried to break into my car. They knocked it off. My radio was gone, too. I said, they came in the car. They broke it. He said, well, the car is unsafe to drive without a rear view mirror. I said, that's not true. You took your driver's test with both the mirrors on the side. You got to have those. You have to have two mirrors. And that's not even a fucking thing. He pulled me over first and then saw, oh, you had the seatbelt on. You weren't speeding. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, your, your mirror your, your mirror right here. Which nobody... Think about last time you put behind a car and looked in that mirror. Like, nobody even cares about that mirror. It's not even a fucking yeah. thing. So I mean, I use it because I have it, but I mean, I would have oh, yeah, if not, I didn't. It's not even an equipment <laughs> violation. So I'm like, man, this is dumb. <laughs> and it's like... And, and, I, and, and here's the thing. If the police enforced masks on white people the way they respond to most anything a black or brown body does white people would be up in arms they are so like oh you're gonna give me a ticket because i'm not wearing a mask you're gonna give me a ticket because i wasn't wearing a seatbelt like it, bitches, it's my life i do what i fuck i want to do it's the same fucking thing but the rules are for us this, that's the only thing the rules are for us though the rules were never for them it's implied like hey if you don't you know if if you feel like it can you can you do this mm-hmm. the funniest thing my favorite video before i let you go was one that had white guy getting arrested at the airport and he's screaming you're treating me like a black person no and i'm like this that. is this is the best i mean it this, was this, like this the scream best. crying yeah it's like this is the best video ever like the fact that you know that this happens and you're okay mm-hmm. with it you're a piece of shit. I hope they. I hope they treat you exactly like a black person. I hope you get the treatment you're thinking you're getting. Mm-hmm. You're just getting like, told yeah. no. Yeah, you're just getting asked to like be accountable in a, for a moment mm-hmm. and be inconvenienced. Like the if I let being like questioned or being inconvenienced or any of those types of things make me feel like that, I would be like that like all the time. Oh yeah, like I told somebody because they started saying uh, that white privilege isn't a thing. And I'm like, okay, don't call it white privilege. Let's call it white comfort. As in your comfort is more important than my safety. As in if you complain right now... Your comfort is more important than my experience is an even better way to put it. Oh, no, for me, it's safety. They don't just just ask me to leave. You got to remember that. We don't get asked to leave. We get a whole other situation. We get asked questions for aggression. You have any weapons on you? Not why are you here? What's the problem? We don't get asked what's the problem first. If two cops put me and a white girl arguing, they're not going to ask what's the problem. They won't get. They'll get the. They'll get the story after they take me out. After I'm taken care of, now they'll talk about what happened. So you only get one side of the story now because I'm in cuffs in the back of your car, and she has to be now reasonable enough to say, "Oh no, we just were arguing about." And now it's oh okay. Are you sure, ma'am? Because we'll love to take a nigga to jail. Like why not? So mm-hmm. I'm going to put this episode up sooner because it's very COVID and current. So you're going to go up probably six. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, man, I hope people 
keep listening to your podcast. Uh, keep keep doing your thing. Do you also like? Do you also have you gotten to like work on bits with? Gotten in, input from the headliner from their watching your set the first show and then applied it on the second show. Yeah, when I uh, when I work with Ali, he does it often. Like he'll watch my set uh, now because I'm he, I, he's going up after him anyways. And sometimes we have some um, topics that he has so many more jokes than me. So if I have a topic I touch. If it's done right, he'll leave it alone. If it's like uh, half baked or something, like he feel like he can still piggyback on it, and I didn't ruin it for him. He'll do. He'll mm-hmm. go off of that topic too, and oh yeah, like like John said earlier, and he'll give his opinion of the topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's more of a system, like a pick and roll. Like we work. Uh, I don't. I know certain jokes he does. I don't really. I know I wrote things like, hmm, he has a way better joke than what I'm doing, so I can leave that alone because I don't really love it anyways. So like, that's how I'm with relationships. Uh, whenever I argue with my girl, I tell her whoever cares more is right. If it's a personal act, if it's a personal issue, whoever is more affected by it emotionally can have it. Like if she's really upset about something and I don't really care that much, I'll just make sure that doesn't happen again. If we both 50-50, we have a conversation. If I care about something, she's like nonchalant. Well, it's mine. Let me have this. Let me get this one. Like it's a compromise constantly. Mm. Or whoever cares more, the same equity. So I have a little more, I'm pushing more. So let me, so when it comes yeah. to Jokes, the same approach where if somebody does a better job of a joke or the joke means more to them or it means less to me, even even if it doesn't mean more to them. If he's at a standard five and I'm at a three, then fuck that joke for me. That topic, I don't need it today. Nine, mm-hmm. so I can make that joke a six and mean it. Don't even talk about that shit. Like I'm wasting words on his behalf. He don't get to have the same introduction to that topic because I stepped on it for no reason at that. So... I learned that more about working with most comics. Just comics I know, if we have similar thoughts because we live in the same world, I'm not gonna touch on the same shit. If they're got, if they're gonna go into it like second half of they set, why would I fuck up that for them? You know, it's like doing a commercial and showing all the cool parts in the trailer. Mm. Like the movie's yeah. better. The movie's still better than any trailer. Well, the good movies, but you know. Yeah, I feel it. So. That's my approach. I might do the same thing you're doing, too. All right. <laughs> but yes, Enjoy thank you very much. Man. You too, man. Love you, brother. It's HBO. Seen them on Crashing. Seen them on Kyrie Central Half Hour. Just real up. quick, though. Real quick. What's you up? You see me real quick. <laughs> That's oh how God. people see me on those things. Just real hey, quick. Hey, man. You were in the room. I was on fucking, uh, what was that shit? Uh, Black Ink Crew. I still claim it to people who've seen the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, I try to like, it's hard because like if I walked around claiming that as heavy as like most people do things, mm-hmm. I would be real mad that like uh, the, 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 uh, that's why I need to, I need to learn how to work differently because I need to learn how to work in that way where like if I don't get something, well, this is on y'all to cater to me. I did, I did the job where I'm, done the things to value to get the job why am i not like that level of indignance needs to happen for 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 each of us to to start getting shit oh yeah you can't wait for them to give a fuck like i know that about clubs like i've i've had comment comments clubs or audiences 
you gotta try. You gotta try to get both of them in the in the same like. That's you need them. Yeah, I mean you need them. I guess but they you don't need clubs. They can't run you. I mean clubs. Yeah, that's there. true. In different cities, like what you only need one city. Well, you need one club per city. You don't need every club in the country. Some clubs can wait. Right. Yeah. All right, man. Yes, sir. Peace out. But this episode of Friday Late Show was produced and edited by Jeremy Demery of Golden Ox Studios.